Sisters, you are worthy of being loved, seen, and known by God. This is a podcast where we talk real, raw, and from vulnerable places of what the Lord has done and continues to do in spite of us. My prayer is that you will hear something that helps you understand that our stories have power. He is worthy, and this is Chatworthy. Well, I have the pleasure and the privilege of talking with Shelby Hossfield, who resides in New Mexico, and she is just a little bit east of me. You could tell I had geography as my favorite subject. And we met online in a common Facebook group, and there was something amazing about her and her story, and I don't even know how we just connected, but I had the privilege and the honor of reading her story that we're going to be sharing with you all, and we're just very excited to hear what the Lord has done in her life. Can you tell us a little bit, you live in New Mexico, and how many children do you have, Shelby? Yeah, so I live in a little town called Corrales, New Mexico. It's kind of in between Albuquerque, about uh, 45 minutes or so away from Santa Fe. And it's probably one of the, it's like a little farming community that's right on the edge of kind of the big city. So it's a fun little place to grow up. We have horses and chickens and dogs and all that good fun stuff. And then I have two kiddos. I have a 12-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy, both of them playing sports right now and all that good fun stuff. So Oh, that's awesome. Did school start for you? They are starting on the 16th, but all the sports and everything are already in full swing right now. So everything is already going and they're busy, busy already. And we're already busy. And my husband and I are already worn out and we haven't even officially started, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. So when, at the time of this recording, it's August 2021 and our kids have have gone back to school as of this week so that's been an interesting so Shelby why don't you just take us back to your childhood and that'll kind of lead us into why we're having this discussion and your amazing story sure so I grew up, my parents, I guess to start with, my parents were young parents. They first met each other actually in high school. And then my dad ended up going to New York. He had some kind of crazy ambitious dreams. And so he went to New York and he lived kind of a a wilder life out there. And my mom ended up following him out there and they ended up pregnant um, because that's what happens sometimes. And so my mom was modeling at the time that my parents are beautiful people. They really are (laughs) like inside and out. They really are both beautiful people. But my mom was modeling. And when she found out that she was going to have a baby, you know, a lot of people tried to convince her to not have me. But my mom is a strong, amazing woman, and she was never going to be convinced otherwise. And so she came home and decided to have me and my dad had uh, the choice to either move on to some other big jobs that he had going and he had a ticket in his hand to go one place and a ticket to come home and be a dad and he decided fortunately to come home and be a dad so I have really great parents as far as love you know they didn't necessarily come from the best families themselves Mm -hmm. both of them both of their families struggled. They were kind of a mess, both of them. And they decided that despite all odds, they were going to be the difference and they were going to have a good family. 
and both of them made that decision. So I'm, I'm very fortunate in that. And uh, so it's me. And then I have a sister who is four and a half years younger. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, there was always a lot of love. There was a lot of love mm-hmm. in our family, but a lot of different crazy things with it too. What I want to know is the faith component. When you were born, what did that look like in your household? Yeah. So as far as our faith goes, so my mom had mostly been raised Catholic. Uh, my dad, when he was growing up, there was really no faith until I think around when he was around 17, his mom got remarried. And for a very short little blip in his life, they decided to go to the Mormon church. And that was when he was first introduced to the Mormon church. And when they went, I think that was what my dad, the only time that my dad had known in his life stability, like he knew stability, he knew something good. So when he came home to be a dad and he was still young and he was partying and being a crazy guy and alcoholism does run in his family. And if you asked him, he would say that he dealt with some of that. He, you know, I mean, it it was, he made a decision. Am I going to, you know, kind of continue this life that my family had this mess of a life and alcoholism or whatnot, or am I going to make a change? And I had been going to church, I guess with my mom, which I don't remember at all, but my mom had been going to I always thought it was non-denominational, but with talking with her, I think it was a smaller Catholic church because that's how she had been raised. Mm -hmm. So I had been going with her and she told him, you need to go to church. (laughs) And he, you know, the only time that he had ever known stability, like I said, was with the Mormon church. So some Mormon missionaries knocked on the door because they will find you. Once you leave, once you're part of it, they will always find you. And they did. And that was what he had known as stability. And that's what he went back to. Mm -hmm. And from then on out, that is what he decided was going to be the way he was going to go. And so my sister and I went with him to the LDS church until I was 18. My mom never ended up converting. And I think she went through something crazy. I think like seven sets of missionaries or something. My dad was like, not going to give up on it. He was like, she is going to do this. And my mom was never, she, she just, in fact, she told me, I pray to God and he told me, don't do this. So, but then she told them that she told my dad that and, or the Mormon missionaries and, and they said, well, that means that was the devil. That wasn't actually God. Right. right. <laughs> and, and when you talk about missionaries for somebody who is not familiar with what that role is in the Mormon church, can you explain to me what, what a, the missionaries do? Yeah, so it's a big part of the Mormon church. As you grow up through it, uh, women, it's a different age, but for most men, when you, I think it's pretty much right when you graduate high school, it might be a couple years after that. I can't remember exactly how they do it now, but all are required essentially to serve a two-year mission. And so they go all over, it just depends. They, they do an interview and they determine whether, you know, where they would like for them to go. I think it does probably depend some on their faith and their family and, and whatnot, you know, whether they're going to send you to the middle of nowhere or around the corner, but they do. So they, there's two, uh, they're, they're assigned like a partner and essentially they're gone for two years. And, and, you know, their job is 
basically to just go spread the faith. So mm. they work within the, the ward, which is the congregation. The ward is what you would call it. They work within that, helping people who are in the ward or people who have, like myself, who have left. They come visit me occasionally. Mm. And then just, you know, they just talk to people about, about their faith. Right. So, and it's a requirement. It's a requirement. Okay. And so your mom was adamant she wasn't going to do it and missionaries. And then you, you had struggled as well in your childhood with your faith. You weren't sure how you felt or what, what the right thing to do was. And then you made a decision to become baptized. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So it, I guess to get a little bit more personal with it all, when I went to church with my dad, you know, when I was younger, it was just kind of following the motions of it. And it didn't really become, I guess, a parent or a big deal that I was different than everyone else until I was about eight, because at eight is when you are baptized and set apart. And it's kind of a big deal for this to happen. And this happens at eight. And for myself, because I had a mom who was not part of the church and a dad who was, which does not happen very often. And they're still married today. So how that works is, is kind of crazy, but that doesn't happen very often. But I always felt like I kind of always had one foot out the door. Like I really wasn't really Mormon, but I really wasn't not Mormon. Mm -hmm. I could just go every Sunday and kind of go through the motions of it all. But at eight, it was expected that I do this and I couldn't do it because I, I really just didn't, I didn't have that faith. I didn't have a faith. And for whatever reason, I felt like at eight years old that that was a requirement in sure. of like, which I don't know if everyone feels that way. I think maybe a lot of times people just, that's what you do. So that's what you do. But for me, it was a bit more confusing. And I'm sure that my mom had something to do with that, but it, it just, it didn't quite seem right for me. So I, I prayed about it a lot. And I know that my parents don't know how bad this bothered me, but it did. It was very emotional for me. And I mean, as a, a young child to be praying to God, please just tell me this is true so that I can just get this over with. Mm -hmm. And that was my, that's how things were. Like I would cry myself to sleep at night. God, just tell me this is true so that I can just get this over with mm -hmm. because I was different than everybody else. I, and, and it was known that I was different. You know, they would say, well, your mom's not going to be able to see you get married because mm -hmm. she can't go to the temple oh. or, you know, I mean, different weird things that, you know, kids, like they don't understand all of sure. that. Sure. And I just wanted them to just tell me, I wanted God to just say, this is true. <laughs> and he, right. he didn't, and he didn't. So at 10, I was kind of sick of being an outcast. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And my mom cried because she was very upset that this is the position she was put in. I think my dad was really happy, but he was also frustrated by the situation. Mm -hmm. I remember telling my dad, my dad one time too, why won't mom just do this? Because whether it's true or not, then at least like <laughs> in my thought of it, it, then at least she'll be saved, mm. you know, it, whether or not it's true, because if mm -hmm. it's not true, 
then, you know, what difference does it make? But right. if it is true and she doesn't do it and she's not saved, then that's a really bad thing. Sure. Sure. It, it was confusing, very confusing. And that's kind of how things went until I guess really in high school, I would say I kind of rebelled a little bit against mm -hmm. all of it. I didn't have any root faith. Like I didn't have, I had the, like the moral compass of the church that I didn't really understand. I felt kind of an outcast in, I'd never felt the love of Jesus. I'd never felt that. And honestly say, I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know anything about them. I knew what the church said, sure. but I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus. And so what, like, what do you have to kind of hold you accountable of course. in life? If you like, I just was like, well, I, my thought process was in high school, I'm just going to have all the fun that I can have. And then I'll just, say, I'm sorry when it's all said and done and I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And so you were, were you still going through the motions and going through church and everything up until high school? And it yeah. And through high school for the most part. So I showed horses in high school, which a lot of horse shows are on Sundays. So that got me out of it. So <laughs> there was, and I would, I pray for the horse shows on Sunday so that I would, I never, I never felt I never felt a love or a reason for being there. Gotcha. It was an obligation, but for me, it wasn't, there wasn't like now I love to go to church. Mm -hmm. I love going to church now, but I didn't, I never didn't had what? felt that during that time. And so you, you, you talked about in our discussions earlier before this, we talked about something that happened when you were 16 in science class. Is that the right age? 16? Yeah. And it wasn't science class. It was oh, actually in sorry. world history. World so, history. Yes. With Mr. Bear, who I loved him. He was a fantastic teacher, but all he did was just give the facts of world history. And I mean, you don't have to be crazy to know that pretty much world history is a history of religion, like what war was what and what happened here and everything. Yep. And he just said the facts. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the first time that I really realized there was other ways that people did things. I had been to Catholic church with my grandparents a few times growing up, but I didn't really understand that there was completely different ways of approaching God until mm -hmm. then. And then it was kind of like, holy smokes, like I, I don't know what I think about anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think God heard this and finally said like, okay, I know you've been praying all these years, but I'm going to just lay it on you and see if you can figure this out. <laughs> and I, I had this, this crazy dream that I went to the supermarket, to the grocery store and everyone was telling me, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He's in the fruit section. And I was like, holy smokes, this is amazing. So like I run to the fruit section and I'm looking all over and I can tell everybody else knows him. Right. And I didn't know him. I didn't know who he was. Right. And it freaked me out because I'm like, okay, so here I am going through all this. I've been praying to God my whole life and I can't even tell who Jesus is in the fruit section. Like it was <laughs> the fruit of the spirit, Jesus. It makes sense though, right? <laughs> it does now, but it's so crazy because I didn't read the Bible then. Right. I, I didn't know anything about references to the Bible of fruit. Sure. 
So why this happened is, uh, is very silly. When I read that, I, I had some serious God chill bumps. It was crazy. That's yeah, amazing. yeah. It was um, a pretty crazy little thing. I felt like he really was speaking to me, but I don't think I was prepared still even at that time to really hear him. Sure. I think I was still in a little bit of trying to figure things out. Well, yeah. So, so then after... That was probably a, an, another glimpse. I feel as if in your in this timeline of your life, Jesus was showing up without you even realizing that it was him, right? And that was just a, a, a bigger glimpse. So it was almost like these bite-sized pieces of revealing himself. So then you go to college, right? Is that where you met your mm -hmm. husband? Yeah, so uh, I went with my dad to church until I was 18, until I went to college. Okay. And he did try to let me know, you know, there's this, you know, organization on campus for people in the church and everything. And I, I never went. I, I had made the decision in senior year of high school that I wasn't going to continue. So when I went to college, I did meet my husband first semester of college. He's a wonderful man. And we are very, one of our very first, I guess it was kind of dates. We sat and we talked about our faith for a long time, wow. where we had come from. But that was as far as we went from there. Like we both, I think, needed to know where we came from, because I do think faith is was a very big part of both of our lives. Mm -hmm. But I think at the time, both of us also maybe needed a little break. Sure. So sure. Uh, all through college, I, I would say college was kind of a faithless time, godless mm -hmm. time. And I think a big part of that is because I had decided I'm not Mormon. I, this is not who I am. And I do believe that one of the things that happens when you leave something like that, the first thing is your brain kind of explodes. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy cow, now wait a second. Like, really? What are you like? It just brain explodes. And then I think everyone who I have in, come in contact with, we kind of go through this time where it's like, if that isn't true, then I'm not prepared to believe in anything. Sure. And that's pretty much how I would say college was. I, mm -hmm. I would say college. And then also, I mean, it was not the most faith-based campus. And sure. So it, <laughs> it didn't really encourage me to try to find anything different. And I pretty much just didn't do God for mm -hmm. a long time. I didn't mm -hmm. talk to him, didn't really have anything to do with him for, for quite a while. Sure. Um, and then yeah. you ended up getting married at what age? At what point? So right after college, um, we stayed together the whole time. And so right after college, we decided to get married. And that was the last conversation I ever had with my dad really about church. He had asked me, he said, are you not even going to consider getting married in the church? And I said, no, I'm not. And I think we sat at the table and we had a long, pretty serious talk about all of this. And I actually think I kind of have blocked most of it out. I really don't even remember mm. most of it. My mom remembers it, I think, because it stressed her out so bad. <laughs> um, she wouldn't so have been able to go, right? Or would she have been able to go to your wedding? Not to the temple wedding. Not to a okay. temple wedding. No. Okay. But, I mean, that was not even a consideration. Right. Like, I, right. 
wasn't even a thought, but no, she would not have been, you can go to like, obviously the reception, but the actual wedding, only people who are part of the church and have a temple recommend, like have been approved to go to the temple can go in the gotcha. temple. Okay. So, yeah. So is, yeah. So I told him no. And we sat there, we had a long talk about that. I ended up finding a, a pastor who was someone off the internet, non-denominational, got married on a golf course. <laughs> it was, there, I still was kind of in this time where it was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to keep God at a <laughs> at arm's length, <laughs> arm's length. Yes. Um, but then after that, pretty much almost it was not too long after we got married, we found out we were having a baby. And at that moment, you know, a lot of things really I guess, honed in on my life. And I realized as wonderful as my parents were and how much love we always had in our family and how great they were, they did not know how to do the God thing. They, they just, and they would say that still to you now. They, they didn't know how to do that with my sister and I. And I, here I was having a baby and I felt like it was undeniable. Mm -hmm. I felt his soul with me. Mm -hmm. He was with me. And I knew that there was a God because if I could feel my baby's soul with me, then of course there was a God. It, it just, it, and I felt like I had to figure it out then mm -hmm. I had to, I had to figure out the God thing. So I think I moved, progressed past the brain explosion, no God point, and then moved on to the next thing which I don't really recommend to anyone. I don't think it's the healthiest place to be, but then it, I kind of went into the anger disprove side of things a little bit where I was a little obsessed with disproving rather than actually gaining faith. So disproving um, the faith, your faith that you grew up with. Right. 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 And, and trying to understand what that meant mm -hmm. and how it was different than everything else and why now I knew there was a God, but yet all those years growing up, I never, I never really knew him. It was confusing to me. So did you go through a, did you go through anger? Like for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. I don't, like I said, I don't feel like it's a healthy place to be, but I do maybe feel like it is necessary mm -hmm. to some extent to go through a time where you do have to figure things out and maybe do some research and be a little angry. And I mean, I think I was angry at, at being lied to what I felt like was being lied to. I was, I was a little angry at God for not being more direct with me. Mm -hmm. I was I was angry at a lot of different things, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. Just, I just needed to know. But I think in this time, that's not necessarily the most healthy. It very much is leaning on my own understanding. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells you not to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that was very much how that time was. And so kind of dabbling into more new age type stuff, you know, a new earth and, you know, some of the real self-help books and mm -hmm. all the different things like that, trying to just figure out, okay, so I know that there is a God, but what does that mean? And you does were it, seeking. And, yes, you were, you were seeking. Yep. For yes. sure. 
And this is this sounds like it's a point in your life where God was revealing again. It just there's this theme. There seems to be this incredible theme in your life where He was He was revealing Himself to you. And during that, because like you you stated earlier, people who leave the church, I, I don't care what church it is, statistically they're not going to believe in anything after. But you. The Lord kept you, even though you went through that anger and probably that grief and that sadness and all of those things. He kept after you. He kept pursuing you. That is that's amazing. And so you were dabbling in other religions. And how long did that chunk of time go on for? You know, I would say that went on in one form or another, really from the time my son was born until I mean, really just a few years ago. And, and really, I had moments where I was more Christian. You know, I was going to church and I was dabbling more with reading the Bible. And I was part of a really good Christian moms group. And then we, you know, go to a different school and it was much more new age and different stuff. And, and I, I kind of would latch onto that. And, and so seeking very much sure. seeking, but that was, you know, I mean, a good 10 year or even a little more chunk of my life that was never quite committing to anything. Um, just trying to figure things out. One thing that I, I know to be true of, of us as humans is we so desire, we are made to, to worship God. I mean, ultimately, and that's our innate desire, right? That That is what he created us to do. And I think at some point, because we all worship something, right? And, mm -hmm. and at different parts of our life, it looks a certain way. And even as believers, you know, we can, that's the beautiful thing about grace and repentance is that I can be worshiping the money, finances, or career or physical appearance or whatever the case may be, but we're always seeking to worship and to worship something. And it just, it's amazing to me how you were seeking all of that throughout the years and, and reading scripture. So, so you were probably retaining information that you didn't even realize you were retaining at the time when you were at, through that 10 year period. So, so talk about the, a few years ago, what happened? What was the turning point that, that got you to the point where you said, Jesus? That's well, I can say through that whole time, I, I fully admit, I was still at the point where I said, I really don't know how to do the God thing with my kids. Mm -hmm. I don't. So we would go to church here and there. I would talk to them about God, but in a very non-pushy way because I didn't want to push something on them, like something had been pushed on me. Sure. And for whatever reason, I felt like maybe that was a better way to do it. Although I learned that that's not, that's not what God wanted of me. And some different things happened. This in particular, my daughter had had someone in her life and some different things happened that introduced a lot of things that were not healthy, I guess, sure. just to say that. They, they just weren't healthy. And 
she had come to me one night and said, told me kind of what was going on. And I just, it was like my whole world got mm -hmm. crushed because sure. while I knew, I knew that God was there and what he wanted for my child. I guess I hadn't, I hadn't told her that. Mm -hmm. I hadn't told her that God loved her and that God made her perfect the way she was and that he knit her together in my womb. I didn't tell her those things. I knew that, but I didn't want to push it on her. So I had never said that. So when she came to me and said all the things that she said and, and how I really feel like the devil had just came into our home, mm. I was just... I was devastated. I have never been more heartbroken in my entire life I, mm -hmm. because our children are like our hearts walking around outside of our body. Yep. And I felt like my heart had been stolen and jumped on top of and beat up and it was broken. And mm -hmm. I guess maybe some people are in a place where they're like, they need to just accept the way that things are. And this is how we're going to move forward from here. And I, I don't know what came over me, but I just knew this is not okay. Right. And I'm not going to allow this in my home. Like mm. this is, they, the devil is trying to steal my daughter mm. and I am not going to let him. Is that, and I can't tell you why I felt this way so strongly, but it was like, this is not going to happen. It's mm -hmm. not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to fix it. And I didn't know what to do. And so for, I can honestly say the first time in my life, I just at like two in the morning, I just prayed. And I prayed like I have never prayed before in my whole life. And I prayed this time. It wasn't to, I don't know, whoever it was who I prayed to when I was younger or whatnot. I mean, I guess maybe it was God when I was it was younger, but it, I prayed this time to, you know, the alpha and the omega, the sovereign Lord of our, our entire universe to God. And I, I asked Jesus to help me. Mm. And I never had understood before when people would say they surrendered their lives to God. I'd be like, yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> did that. I get it. <laughs> yeah. No, this was like, I can honestly say, I don't know how to fix this. And I need you. I need you and I will do whatever it is that I have to do. Just help me. Just help me. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was, it was really, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, hard. that that was that was it probably was music to his ears. Because the reality of it is, and I know. I have four children and I know that as much as I love them, as much as you love your boy and your girl, he loves them even more. And, and for you to, again, it's that thread and you, you, you were, you were saying, I don't know what came over me. That was the Holy spirit. That was just like, it's, you know, it's time you were at a vulnerable place. You were, you were desperate. And sometimes I, for me, that's exactly what happened to me. I was, I was dust. I was in a situation where 
same thing, been seeking and had contemplated suicide on several occasions. And without going too deep into my story, I just remember looking out in the window past the train tracks that I had been pondering, what if I take Tylenol PM before I, I lay on those train tracks? What if, you know, I don't want my kids to find me. Will it be a weekend that they're with their dad? And all these things. I was looking at those train tracks, looked up, and I said, God, if you are there, if there, if you actually exist, if you are real, I need you right now because I can't do this anymore. I am dying. And it wasn't this opening of the heavens or anything of that nature, but it was this gentle, he progressed in a very gentle way with me where it was, he put the right people, the right situations into my life and purged me of things that weren't good for me anymore. So to hear you say that it, it is, so it's real. It is so real. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, I know that's, that's very vulnerable, especially when it comes to your children and cause you're right, they are little hearts walking around that. I mean, our hearts do not live outside of our bodies except for our children. So what happened after that? So you surrendered. What did your life look like? Well, immediately, I can't tell you why, but I felt him tell me it's going to be okay. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be okay. And I kept that with me, really, from then on. I, I just kept that with me. This is not going to be easy, but it's all going to be okay. But I have to just trust him. And when he tells me to do something, which I, I firmly believe that he, he was, <laughs> I listened. And so when he, I would get this feeling, you need to call your friend who you haven't talked to since childhood and tell her what's happening. I can't tell you why. I did. I hadn't talked to this girl in since, I mean, we had kind of had a little bit of a, our families had had a thing when we were in the eighth grade. And so we really hadn't talked to each other since the eighth grade. And he told me, call her. And I called her and she has such an unbelievable love for the Lord. I mean, more than anyone in my life. And she just talked to me for hours and she happens to run this homeschool program and we signed up for the homeschool for, I never in a million years thought I would ever be homeschooled, like ever. <laughs> like if you had told me before that, I would have told you you were crazy. But, and I just felt like this is the right thing. And so this is what we did. So for pretty much an entire year, it was God, me and my daughter. And that was it. And, and this amazing community that this woman brought us into and, and how she counseled me and she helped me. She started a Bible study with me because she was watching something and she said, she felt like God told her, do a Bible study with Shelby. So it was her oh. and me in this Bible study. Like it was just how this all came about after this has just been remarkable how he has worked in my life. Mm -hmm. And instead of, I told you, I was really leaning on my own understanding for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And I really have learned how to let that go and to just trust him. And when things come into my life and I'm, you know, put up against the question, what would God want me to do? And I do that. 
it all works out in the most amazing ways. And I say, God, I, I feel like I can't do this alone. I, I still, I really need your help with helping my daughter to find people who will be a positive light. And then I go to a thing the next day and a friend says, hey, my daughter's going to this amazing youth group. Does your daughter want to come tonight? Wow. Like, like how did these, it just, it, it just kept. And of course I went to the thing because right. I felt like I needed to, that's what God would want me to do. So I just kept listening and he kept providing and he's continued to do that. Even doing this podcast tonight, like this is not, you know, I mean, doing a podcast in general, just is not something that I, I think I would have been up for doing before, sure. but he keeps, he keeps providing and he keeps putting things in my life and I keep just following and it just keeps getting better. Mm. And I can't explain that other than he's just so good. And I know the peace of God now. And I know Jesus. And I would Mm. recognize him in the fruit section. (laughs) (laughs) Praise God for that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I This whole conversation, I have just had chills. And I'm just really excited for what the Lord is is doing. Can you tell us what you feel? It seems as if you have been so obedient since you've surrendered your life that you've just put one step in front of the other and can you tell us now what you feel his calling is for you and your ministry and what what the lord is who the lord is telling you to witness to and this is crazy too because again if you had told me that i was going to do something like this i would have been like this is crazy but i really do feel like god in in life, he wants us to have one purpose. And forever I was like, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? And it's to know God and to make him known. Mm-hmm. That is really what it all boils down to. And, and where you use your gifts in order to make that happen is individual for each person. But that is why we are here. That is what the Bible tells us. That is what his word is. And in the peace that you feel when you are walking within that, is um, unlike anything else. And so I really had to have a little seriousness with myself on where I was going with my life. And I really feel like where he has directed me is to helping other people who were stuck in that place where I was for those 10 years, where I was seeking, where I was trying to figure things out after leaving the church and being lost and, and not knowing what the next steps were and dealing with a lot of the confusing parts of terminology. That's the same within the Mormon church, but means something very different in Christianity that I, I really had to work out and had to kind of get over and get to a place where I could surrender and that I could listen to him and that he, he could direct me, but getting to that place where you're able to find faith, that is what I feel like he has put me here to help other women to do. Help other women who have left the church and are seeking to be able to find faith above. So that is my little ministry that I have started. And I do have my own podcast as well now, Finding Faith Above, to help women in that specific area that are looking there. And I I think it's an incredible opportunity to to what what your whole what you said your purpose all of our purposes is to to know God and and 
have him, how did you, you phrased it so beautifully. To yeah, to, to know God and to make him known. And to make him known. I love that. I mean, that's really the bottom line, right? <laughs> what we're mm -hmm. supposed to do. So you had just mentioned your podcast. It's called Finding Faith Above. Finding Faith Above. And I'm going to put that in the show notes and make sure that is there, is that how they could find you? Is there any other way? Yeah. So you can find me. Um, my website is findingfaithabove.com. Okay. And in all the different channels. So on Instagram and on Facebook, also you could find it at Finding Faith Above. And really what I'm, I really would love to just let all women know is that he isn't going to give up on you and that he doesn't give up on you and he's there and you are seeking and he's waiting for you to find him. And so I'm helping women through coaching and through Bible studies um, to be able to get to a place where they, they do find that faith and, and be able to walk with that with God. That's amazing. Well, I'll definitely put all that, all those, all that information and the links and stuff in the show notes. So I always like to end with a couple of fun questions, Shelby. But before I do that, I just want to take an opportunity again to thank you so much for sharing your story and just what a blessing this is to me. And there's a lot of things it, that parallel our stories, which I just love how the Lord interweaves the threads of our lives together and much can be said about social media and the negative, but I always feel like we can always find the, the good too. So this has just been a huge blessing to be able to find, to find you. So with that, I'm going to ask you, what's the most out of character thing you've ever done? <laughs> okay. So if you really knew me now, this is the me that is doing the podcast. So that's a little different, but I am really, or always was a huge introvert. <laughs> I was so shy. Like I would not even ask for a pack of ketchup at McDonald's. Like I was scared to death of like everything, but I have continually in my life, always put myself in these very extroverted situations like doing these type of things, which I love. It, it, it like helps me to grow. But I would think that the most out of character thing I ever did is I auditioned for a movie when I was in college and I got it. And I was an actress. I was one of the missing girls on The Missing. So I was a semi-principal actress for three months I spent on set. And we rode horses and I had a couple speaking lines and I hung out with Kate Blanchett and Evan Rachel Wood. And the only time I've ever been directed by any director was with Ron Howard directing. Me. Oh my so. gosh, that is <laughs> awesome. A very oh. out of character and crazy thing. And it was just like this weird little blip in my life that I did this, this wild thing. So that's so cool. Well, you know, I'm looking it up. Do you have an IMDb, <laughs> IMDb page? <laughs> I think I do, but I don't think there's a picture. I think it's just like a little silhouette. Oh, the, the silhouette. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Wow. Okay. So this next question is, if you can have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? So it's a toss up between two. It would be ice cream or pizza. Oh. I don't know which one, <laughs> which is kind of funny because like I'm a very healthy person in the majority of my life, but 
I would say ice cream and pizza are my downfall. I, yeah. <laughs> that is, a, okay, what kind of ice cream, I have to ask? Oh, all of it. How can you pick just one? <laughs> oh, it's so hard. But I really like Rocky Road. Rocky Road's a good one. Pistachio almond. I like pistachio almond. Pistachio almond, almond is chip. delicious. <laughs> oh my gosh. And what about pizza? Well, that's the wonderful thing about pizza is because you could like, if, depending on your toppings, you could make breakfast, you could make lunch, you could make it a midnight snack. Depending oh, on your true. toppings, you could make it anything. You so, can make it But dessert. my favorite... Yeah, my favorite pizza, I think, would have to be, like, uh, one from Il Vicino. I don't know if there's Il Vicino everywhere. Do you guys have Il Vicino? Mm -hmm. They're, like, the brick oven ones with, oh, like, yeah. pesto and then, like, the fresh mozzarella and pine nuts. And, yeah, that would be oh, that yeah. would be the ultimate. Okay, well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and I would probably want that, too. Yeah, I, I unlimited supply, I would have to say essential water. I'm a weird snob, so with when it comes to water, I think. I don't know. My kids, I, um, I said, we live in the desert. So I always say, make sure you bring water because I'm not sharing my essential with you. <laughs> 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 well, All right. Well, Shelby, thank you so much for sharing your heart. And I'm just so excited to see what the Lord's going to do in and through you with helping these women who are in the in-between. I think it's going to be amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here today. I hope that it reaches just the right, exact, perfect girl who needed to hear this today. Perfect. And that, yeah, that we can, through both of our stories, we can help her. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show. Any information that we talked about can be found in the show notes. Or you could find me on Instagram at the Chatworthy Podcast. Again, on IG at the Chatworthy Podcast. Pop in and leave a, a note or a message or something. Would love to hear from you. Thanks. <laughs>